All right, turn in your Bibles this morning with me to the book of Hebrews and turn there to chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Well, sure good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. The book of Hebrews, the entire book of Hebrews is about the Lord Jesus Christ. His desire was to explain to the Hebrew or to the Jew, or should I say declare the Lord Jesus to them, how that He is the express image of the God that they worship, that the Lord Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, took on the nature of man to experience humanity, to be tempted and tried and eventually taste death, to triumph over death, and now to be in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, to be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. If the Lord would answer my prayer this morning, and He has many of them over the years, it would be that some of you young folks would be able to see Him who is invisible. Our God is invisible to us, but He is not imaginary, and you got to be able to see Him working. And you can, if by faith, that you start trying to interpret some things that are going on in your life as the hand of God. And you'll be able to see Him and how that He does work. And we'll explain that here in just a moment. Let's read some verses. And I believe by the end of the service, you may be able to recognize Him. I hope that you can. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, the first step that you need to take is to repent toward God, agree with God against yourself, that you are the sinner and He is the Savior. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the sufficient sacrifice for your salvation. And that's that's a lot to consider in a few minutes when a preacher's preaching. But if we can help you with that after services and you have some questions about your soul's destination, we believe that we have a GPS for the soul, the Bible, God's plan of salvation. And He will direct your soul and help you with that. But, primarily this message this morning is for the believer. And I want you to look with me in chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Word of the Lord says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and He's referring to those in Hebrews chapter number 11, all of the saints of God in the Old Testament, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Holy Spirit has chosen to use the marathon race as an analogy of the Christian life. I had someone ask me Wednesday night in in a counseling session and said, When will I stop basically struggling and when will these temptations and when will these voices to quit and just 
abandon everything. When is that ever? Or when will it stop? And I said, well, it will stop when you graduate into heaven. I said, as you grow in the Lord, and as you get stronger in the Lord, you'll be able to win more of those battles. But they'll always be there. And the Christian life is one of endurance. We're talking about not your salvation, you enduring to the end, hoping that you hold out. Jesus didn't make the down payment, and now you're making mortgage payments. And if you miss a payment, He repossesses everything. That's not the way this works. He bought you. But discipleship and rewards for discipleship require some endurance. And so I want you to look with me here in verse number 2. When we talk about looking unto Jesus. Now there are three things in this text that I want you to see here as far as that are critical to us. In verse number 2 it's looking unto Jesus. And that word looking means you're examining Him. And the reason why you're examining Him is so you can apply or engage the mind to understand Him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now your first, a marathon's about 27 miles. That first step is going to be you yielding your will To God's will. That's what he means by the cross. It is daily you nailing your will to the cross and saying, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Have you made it that far? Have you made it past that first hurdle that you're willing to do the will of God? Obviously, there's something about you that shows some interest in doing the will of God because you are here this morning with your Bible and you're listening to the word of God. But notice number two. He said, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And there that word consider means that you're fixing your mind upon the Lord Jesus Christ and to observe him with great attention. Again, it's all about Jesus. It's all about watching and looking at him. And there he says that second hurdle that you're going to get past is that contradiction of sinners or conflict with other people when it comes to you doing the will of God, you're going to find out that everybody's not interested in doing the will of God. As a matter of fact, there may be some folks in your household that actually are not really interested in doing the Lord's will. Well, not when it comes right down to it. Not when it comes right down to applying it to daily living. And aware that you make your decisions based upon the Bible, not everybody is happy about what the Bible has to say. And they're going to oppose you and grieve you and wear you out in those areas. But you'll notice here in verse number 5 that he's going to deal with something else here. One has to do with the cross, our will. The other one has to do with conflict, and that is with others and their will. But this third one, this third one has to do with our circumstances that God orchestrates. And he does this for the, pers- for the purpose of chastening you. And you will have to endure this. You, you're going to have to understand this is part of the trip. And look what he says here in verse number 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. 
Alright, so I'm assuming that you are a child of God. I'm assuming that you are born again. This will apply to you. He said, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto ch- to you as unto children. My son, are you a son of God? Have you received Christ? Are you saved? Okay, if you are, you're not going to get past this right here. You know why? Because what I'm going to explain to you now, the rest of the service, are going to be the acts of God's love towards you. And you've got to be able to recognize it and be able to receive it. And it's going to be some circumstances that are going to be beyond your control. And those circumstances are going to be grievous. They're not going to be joyous. And you're not going to be able to get out of them. You are not totally responsible for being in them. And there's nothing you can do to get out of them. It is God's way of working. And you've got to be able to see His hand and quit just waking up like you're in a new world every day. Like you don't know what's going on. But there is a God in heaven who has birthed you into His family miraculously by the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the grace of God. And now, Him being a faithful Father, He is going to now develop you. Now, listen, there are certain words that Americans, they cringe over, and the world has made sure that any, anything, when you mention these words, there's always a negative connotation to it. And they don't see it as being something good. And even pain sometimes, we, we say, well, it can't be good. But sometimes pain can be for your good, long term. But look with me. Let's read these verses and let me help you with this, okay? You'll notice he says in verse 5, You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And again, you know, there are just certain words that people just, uh, they just, they just reject mentally and spiritually when it is said. For example, over in the New Testament, if you hear the word shame, I mean, when you, if you had a a talk show host or you were uh, on the news and you said, well, the Bible says that there are certain places where people should be shamed and they should be ashamed. How would they respond to that as far as your religion is concerned? They would probably say, Jesus would never do that. God loves you too much to do that. But yet, over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, if a man's too lazy to work, he says he's walking disorderly. If he's not willing to work, don't feed him. Don't take up a love offering for him. Avoid Him. Don't fellowship with Him. Why? So that He will be ashamed. He said, I don't treat Him like an enemy. If you see some, uh, uh, if you see Him beginning to change His attitude, you help Him get back on track. But 
Shame, in America's mind, is a bad, bad, bad word. You're not supposed to shame anybody about anything that they're doing. If they are immoral, if they are ungodly, if they are reprobate, if they are perverts, do not shame them. They say, instead, embrace them and love them. But that is not love. That is the definition of the word of the worldly love, but is not the love of God. Because I can't rejoice over something that's going to hurt you, damn you. I can't rejoice over that. We've got to warp minds. That's why you come to church to have your mind renewed. And the way you have your, have your circuits rewired. Because they're warped. And if you're always on the phone more than you're in the Bible, your mind is going to be shaded about what's right. Now watch what he says here about the word chasten. When you hear the word chasten, most of you have a negative reaction to that. A negative connotation. Now, not all of you, because some of you are mature in the Lord, and you know your Bible, and you trust God, and so you don't get all uptight about it. But the word chasten is not always about discipline. Sometimes it is about developing you. Did you know in our text, in which I have just read to you, listen carefully now, Did Jesus endure the cross? Yes or no? Yes. Did Jesus enjoy, excuse me, endure the contradiction of sinners? Yes, He did. Now we're to continue to look unto Jesus here. Did Jesus endure the chastening of the Father? Now you may be hesitant to answer that. You know why? Because you always, in your mind, place under chastening that you've done something wrong and therefore you're being corrected. That's only one side of it. Jesus Christ was never chastened because He needed correction. You and I need chastening because we need correction. But in the context, I need, you, I need you to move away from that thought. Because of the 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 said that if we would judge ourselves, the Lord will not judge us. Talking about if there's sin in your life and God's dealing with you about it, if you will judge that, if you'll confess that, He says, if you'll judge yourself, I won't judge you. But if you refuse to judge yourself, He said, then we will be chastened of the Lord. All right, now that's where, that's a negative connotation. That's where God's trying to, what can I say, remove some things from you out of your life. There was nothing in Jesus' life that needed to be removed. But there's another side of this thing about being chastened. And it has to do with you being developed. Now, I need you to trust the Bible over your feelings. I need to, 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 you to trust the Word of God when it's not easily accepted and embraced. The book of Hebrews emphasizes the, not only the deity of Christ, but the humanity of Christ. 
And it's very difficult for people to understand one of the reasons why Jesus came to the earth. Twice in the book of Hebrews it says, was to be made perfect. To be made perfect. In other words, to be developed or completed. Not because that there was something lacking other than simply experience. That's it. Experience. The Lord Jesus Christ knew what it was like to be God, but not until He embraced and came down as a babe and and walked for 33 years here did He know what it was like to be like me and you. And the Bible says He came down to be made perfect for a purpose that He might be more of a help and a blessing to us. So no longer can you say that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't understand you. He's never experienced what you've gone through. And that He can't feel or be touched by what you go through. That can no longer be said about God. Okay? But now watch this. This In Hebrews 12, it's not about necessarily here about God disciplining you. This is about people who have, Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I've resisted the will of others, and I'm pursuing your will. This is about somebody who said, God, use me. God, use me. Now, I want to say especially to those of you who are faithful here at East River, and who have shown that you love the Lord, and that you have even suffered, even among some of your own kinfolks and friends, because you have chosen to bear His reproach and to obey the Word of God. I'm talking to you. That God wants to continue to use you. And you've asked Him to use you. We've had revival meetings where you've been at the altar and you said, Lord, God, I want to be used. Now, in order for God to use you, to make you more fruitful, He's going to have to purge you. This purging for us, not Jesus, but for us, is to remove some things and to improve some things in us. John 15 says that that branch that's bearing fruit, and many of you are, you want to bear bear more fruit, don't you? You've asked God to make you more fruitful. Well, He's going to have to work on you. He's going to have to put you in a vice. You're not going to like this. He's going to put you in a vice, and you can't get out of it. You need to understand and see the hand of God in some of your circumstances. In your circumstances that you cannot control. That God has not forsaken you. God is working in you. Now watch this. Look what he says here in verse number 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He says, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? You see, there's a lot of folks who want religion, but but they're not interested in regeneration. They want to go to heaven, but they're not interested in honoring the Lord with their life. So they don't endure the chastening of the Lord. They run. As soon as there's a little bit of difficulty, they're out of here. 
Well, if I thought Christianity was just going to bring some of this stuff in my life, I wouldn't have, got, I wouldn't have signed up. You know, isn't it amazing if, if a guy looks at one of those nice posters of joining the Marines? He says, man, that's what I want to be. I'm going to sign up. And so as soon as he signs up, before he'll ever be in that photo, before he'll ever have that picture down the road, they're going to put him through some rough stuff, ain't they, brother? Some of them bail out. Some of them cry, Mama, get me out of here. Now listen, the Lord loves you. But He knew what He was getting when He got you. Now watch what happens here. He says in verse number 8, But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So, I need to ask you a personal question. The Bible says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not ashamed of Him. How many of you right now believe in your heart that you really are a child of God and you have been born again? Would you raise your hand? You're not ashamed of that. Well, most of you have raised your hand. All right. If that be the case, that be true. The Bible says then that there's no way that you can escape the chastisement of the Lord. It, it, why? Because that's what good parents do. Good parents, they are, they're not only interested in disciplining their children, but in developing their children. They want to develop them to make them stronger. They want to make them more useful. They want to make them more productive. And that's got to be more than just saying, Thou shalt not, and no, and no, you can't do this. It is other things that they put into them. Now watch this. Look in verse number 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. I know I did. I had a father that corrected me. Did you? Some of you obviously didn't. We live in a generation where that word is a bad word. Of correcting. He said, and we gave them reverence. There's one thing that I did to my father is I was afraid of him. I don't mean terrified of him. I just knew that he meant what he said. And after he had warped my frame a few times, all he had to do was look at me or show his displeasure and... It was, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Reverence. And he says here, in the verse number 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection under the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Meaning that they wanted us to behave because it made things quiet at the table. There wasn't chaos at the house every time they walked in. There was order at the house. So he did it. didn't always do it for my sake. He, sometimes he did it for his sake. I want you to be quiet. I want you to be still. I want you to behave. My mom would always tell me when I leave the house, son, when you get over there, you behave. And I always behaved. Now what kind of behavior was it? I shall not say. 
but I always behaved. The scripture here says, in verse 10, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But look what God does. Can you get this in your heart this morning? God does it for our profit. God is doing this for our profit. For my sake. God's doing this because I've asked Him, Lord, I want to do Your will. I have nailed my will to Your cross and I want to do Your will. And Lord, I'm not listening to the voices of men. I'm listening to You. I want to please You. He said, okay, but I've got to make you, I've got to develop you. I'm going to have to complete you. I'm going to have to work on you to make you more fruitful and profitable. Now watch what he says here. He says in verse number 10, But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. And when God gets through with you, you will be better off. You will be more like him. You will be more godly. God-like, you'll be more like Him. Some of you have yielded yourself to the will of God, and you're, but you still got some issues. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to suffer a little bit. You really do. Because you don't really care about people. And you really don't have compassion on people who hurt. Because you yourself have not felt it. Jesus came to the earth to feel it. So that he might become more faithful high priest. You say, well, I want God to use me, okay. Then God's going to go to work. and He's going to box you in in some circumstances. Are you listening to what I'm trying to tell you? You are going to go through some things that are absolutely going to grieve you. And it will not be joyous. There is not one time that my dad warped my frame that I got up and said, Man, that was a blessing. Do it again. But again, I need you also, I need to quit using that negative connotation of discipline. I need you to understand that God's doing this because you said you wanted to be used of Him. You say, well, I'm not going to ask Him that no more then. Well, don't be like that. You're going to be stuck where you are. Some of you need to, you need to cry. Some of you need to cry. Some of you need to weep and you need to sob. And you need to do it with a broken spirit. And a broken heart. Because you're hard. You're sort of like those sons of Zebedee. When they wouldn't. When Jesus was heading in a certain direction. And, 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 they, and they watched those people turn away from Jesus. And they said. Man, Lord why don't we just call some fire down from heaven. He said. You don't even know what spirit you are of boys. You don't understand. That's not the way I am. That's not what I'm about right here. He said that's not it. Did you know in Luke chapter number 4, when Jesus got ready to go into the ministry, when he said, he said, the Holy Spirit has anointed me? If you'll notice all those characteristics of the people that God had sent him to minister to, it was to help the brokenhearted. Have you ever been brokenhearted? Have you ever been brokenhearted? 
Did you know that when you go through some things that are... Now listen, this thing about the God chasing you, it doesn't last long. We're not talking about you having to go through something your entire life. We're talking about a short period of time. And by the way, if you're a fast learner, you might shorten it just a little bit. But God is interested in making you more profitable. And you can't get out of this. Read with me here, please. He says in verse number 11, he says, Now no chastening for the present. That means it's passing. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So the Lord is at work here. God is working in your life. Have you ever felt like that? You're in a vice. You're in a circumstances and situations you cannot get out of. And you feel like your ship's fixing to sink. And that you're going under. And that you've said, Lord, I can't take this anymore. God, you're killing me. Again, in the, just in the area of discipline. I mean, a kid sometimes will say that, you know, they're like you're killing them. When, you, when, you're, when you're just giving them a, a spank and they act like they're dying. But so it is sometimes in our hearts and lives when we are going through some things that we're saying, God, please, if you don't, if you don't take your hand off of me, I, I'm going to die. You're killing me. It's not going... It's not going to be... How about the Lord Jesus Christ in the, gar, in the garden? How serious was that moment in His life when He is kneeling there and He's pouring His heart out to the Father and He says, Would you let this cup pass from me? And He asked Him three times. And the Father said... And, and eventually the Father said, No, each time. But He said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. As he went back to that area of yielding himself to the Father's will, and he said, listen, this thing, this thing is real in our lives here, and I need you to see this, and, and I need you to do something. I need you, let's obey the Word of God here. Let's look in Hebrews 12, verse number 5. Okay, look, look at it with me here. You and I have yielded ourselves to the will of God, and we've resisted the will of other men and women, And we, like Moses, we have refused Egypt and we have chosen the path of God. We've esteemed the promises of God and embraced them. We've prayed, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. Well, I need you to do just three things out of this passage. In verse number five, number one, I need you to remember because we forget. You have forgotten the exhortation. You need to remember that what God is doing in your life is actually an act of His love and His faithfulness working. And He's not weak parents will give in to a whining child. Some kids know how to manipulate the emotions of their parents. 
knowing that maybe they might be fixing to receive the rod of correction, they'll start bawling and crying before the parrot even gets there, hoping to alleviate anything that even, before anything even touches them. One thing about your heavenly Father, man, He can see through all that. And, and the Bible says, don't let your soul spare for His crying. In other words, don't give in to the manipulation. And sometimes you think that you can do that with God, but God says, no, I, I got you right here, and I'm going to put the squeeze on you, and I'm going to, this is for your good. You said you wanted me to use you, and so I'm going to work on you, and I'm going to squeeze you, and I'm going to get some stuff out of you, and I'm going to put some stuff in you. It's the only way it can be done. But it's going to hurt. Now, it's not going to harm you, but it's going to hurt. Now, watch what he says. You've got to remember this, okay? In verse 5, you've forgotten the exhortation. And don't despise this chastening, okay? And then the second thing is in verse 6 through 8. You've got to recognize it, and you must receive it. So that you can see Him who is invisible. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. If you endure that chastening, God deals with you as sons. You must receive this. Not reject it, but receive it. The third thing you must do is respond to this correctly. And that's in verse number 15. The Bible says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. How are you going to make this through this? Well, God's trying to teach you to depend upon His grace daily in your life. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Turn over there with me if you would please. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Now listen, you're here this morning. We have several visitors. I don't know all that's going on in your life. But when some things are going on in my life, the first thing I do is I examine my life to see have I stepped outside of the Lord's will somewhere. I examine myself carefully. I say, oh Lord, if, I'm, if I've done something ignorantly, doing something ignorantly doesn't mean innocently. Lord, if I've done something, if you show me, Lord, I'll correct this. I'll judge this. I'll fix this. I'll confess this. I'll run from this. I examine myself. Is there a word that I've spoken? Is there something that I've done? Is there a thought that I have allowed into my heart? What have I done, Lord? What have I done? Because immediately we're thinking, okay, I've stepped out of track here. This is why all this is falling apart around me. This is why all this is going on. God, I've brought this on me. I mean, you know, if I was Jonah and I was in that boat, Jonah knew why the storm was coming. He knew it. He said, yeah, I know why it's doing this, guys. It's me. So when it's discipline, you'll know it's you. You don't have to guess at that. But when it's development, you have to do a little bit more searching. Because there are going to be some other people in your lives, people you can't control, decisions they make, things that happen around you that you cannot control. I know some of you in here think you've got everything under your thumb, but you don't. There's going to be some things that are going to get to you. 
I'm talking about it's going to get right down in there where it matters. Your mind and your emotions and your feelings. Why? Because you need to be touched by the feelings of others. You see, you've got all this figured out up here. You've learned your Bible. You've learned some things. You know the truth. But there's not much in here when it comes to touching humanity. And so you have to go through some of those things. Now watch. Now, and in, in, in look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look over here. I, I think that Paul wanted to be used of the Lord. How about if God were to allow you to have an out-of-the-body experience? You say, no such thing. Well, do you read your Bible, don't you? Look what he says here. Look at what he says in verse number 1. He said, it's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, he was a unique man called for a unique ministry. You're not going to duplicate him. You might always forget that. You are not another Apostle Paul or Pauline. You're not. Verse 2. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whatever happened 14 years ago, he has not forgotten it. And he says, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He said, man, I had this experience, and I'm not even sure what it was all about. He said, I don't know if I was in my body, out of my body, but he said, man. He said, I was caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, if it was today's society, when they got back down from there, immediately they're signing a book deal and making a movie. And Paul said this. He said, Of such one will I glory, yet of myself I would not glory, but in my infirmities, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I'll forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And there again, that's where men were exalting. If he were to tell you everything that he experienced, they would have, they would have magnified him, lifted him up, and glorified him because of his experiences. And so what happens here? How does God keep a man like that humble? If God were to richly use one of us in a mighty way, it doesn't take long till you start walking around like a robin on a spring morning. You just kind of got that chest puffed out. We can see it shining. Hell, God used me. I wish God would use you like He uses me. And if God lets you lead five people to Christ this year, you should glorify God in that matter that He allowed you to do it because it is we plant, we sow, we water, but it is God who gives the increase. But if you're not careful, if you can do something well and profitable, if you are profitable, you better be careful about getting a little puffed up about that. Now watch what he says here. Verse 7, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of who? Of Satan. For what purpose? To buffet me. Why? Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Isn't it amazing how it seems like that these men of God, like the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul, once they got past the third time, they just quit because they realized that God gave them an answer after the third time. Hey, it's, you waste your time. 
No. 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 And the Bible says in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Boy, I tell you what, I can't tell you how many times I've asked the Lord, Lord, would you please let these circumstances depart? Would you break the clouds? Would you stop the pain? In verse 9, He said unto me, and what I should have been praying was, God, give me grace. God, give me grace. Verse 9, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. One more place. Look in 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick. I'll show you how this again applies to you and to me. 1 Peter chapter number 5. You know, when we talk about that root of bitterness, he says, don't let not, he says, look, looking diligently, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. If, listen, these circumstances can make you better or they will make you bitter. And that all depends on how you respond to this. If you bow your knee before the Lord and say, Lord, I yield myself, I trust you. God, you know you're in control. I'm hurting. I don't like what you're doing. And, 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 and I don't even agree with what you're doing. But I agree that you know what's best. And I yield myself to you. Please, please give me some grace. First Peter chapter 5 says this. He says in verse <clears throat> number... Seven. Well, let's back up to verse number six. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. See, God's not going to keep you low, grieving, hurting, long. He's going to get you back up out of that. He says, humble yourself, therefore, to the mighty hand of God. That means, Lord, I know you could fix this, but you've chosen not to. Have you ever just poured your heart out to God and said, God, please? But God doesn't respond. But you have to believe that God can. And he says, he said, I'm going to lift you up and I'll exalt you in due time. He said, but I want you to cast all your care upon me because I care for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So do not start doubting God and getting bitter at God and getting angry at God. Verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing, knowing, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. That's the other sons of God that are in the world. There's no Son of God that avoids the chasing of the Lord. But the God of all grace, and there it is again, the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Now here's the goal here. Just like it was, that's the same phrase, Brother Kevin, that is used twice in the book of Hebrews. About the Lord Jesus, He's the captain of our salvation. He came to be made perfect. 
Now that may bother you. Or you can embrace it by faith. Or you can take your penknife and cut out what you don't like. And try to figure out. Great is the mystery of godliness. That He came down to be made perfect through His sufferings. Look what He says here. God's perfecting you. He says, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Alright, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 2 and look at a couple of verses about Jesus and then we'll close for this service today. Look in Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. Have you ever been in some very, very serious, difficult circumstances that you couldn't get out of? And you knew that God was at work, but it was very, very, might be humiliating. It may be embarrassing. It might be painful, but you can't get out of it. Let me ask you a question. Are you learning anything in it? Are you looking for Him who is invisible in it? Has he, is He teaching you anything or are you going to have to repeat the grade? Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse number 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God, there's that word again, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. Look at verse 17. Verse 16 says, He took not on the nature of angels, but He took on the seed of Abraham. Verse 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren. Why? That He might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Now listen, you're not my priest. You'll never be my priest. But God's will is you be more like Jesus. And that is that you be more merciful. And that you be faithful. That is God's will for you. Have you ever had a serious conversation with your children? And you look at them and say, and you know that they're not really comprehended. And you tell them what's going to happen in their life. Because you've already been through some of those things as an adult. And you say, here's what's going to happen. Here's what you need to look for. And here's what you need to do. And they're looking at you and say, okay, Dad. But you know that they ain't, they ain't really getting it. That's the way some of you look right now. But when you get in these circumstances and you can't get out of them and it's grievous, and it's painful, and there's sorrow, and you didn't create it, and all your confession can't end it. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. And you can't, as David said, if I had the wings of a dove, I'd fly away from here. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've said that as a pastor over the 40 years. Lord, if I had wings of a dove, I'd just fly out of this situation. 
He said, but God would clip my wings and said, you bow your knee and you ask for some grace and for some wisdom. My heart's been broken. I can remember a situation with one of my children years ago. I was by myself in this gym, walking right through that, right through there, by myself, pouring my heart out to God. And I was sobbing and I was broken. Sobbed like I had never, ever sobbed before. I couldn't even say my words. And somehow I knew that God heard me. And it was groanings that could not be uttered. And God was making me a better man. And God was breaking me of some of my pride. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that, and I'm embarrassed to say this. But over the years, I've been asked to preach a lot of family conferences and preaching on the home. And there have been times that I have not had compassion and been merciful to people who have struggled with their children. And God broke my heart in a situation with one of my children and made me a better man to be able to preach with more compassion and long-suffering and forbearing and to be a better pastor with people who struggle with their children as well. And so whatever it is that you're so high and mighty about, and I'm telling you, I'm warning, I'm telling you, I'm not your father, but I am your pastor and your shepherd and I watch over your souls and I'm not your high priest and all that kind of stuff, but I am telling you somebody that loves you, some of you young men who want God to use you, it's going to take more than Bible knowledge. It's going to take some experience. And if you want God to use you, you've got to endure it. And when it comes, don't run from it. You receive it. Don't reject it. Learn from it. And learn to taste of the grace of God. Because Jesus endured the cross by the grace of God. Paul endured the thorn by the grace of God. You will endure your chastening as God works on you if you'll not fail of the grace of God, if you'll look to Him and ask Him for grace. Let Him remove some things and let Him improve some things in you. But don't let it knock you out of the race. Let's stand together, please.